0: Section 17 of Marvels of Scientific Invention. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. Marvels of Scientific Invention by Thomas W. Corbin. Color Photography. Photography has introduced many of the general public to a branch of practical science which otherwise they would never have cared much about. The action of light upon certain chemicals, the subsequent action upon the same of other chemicals, such as developers, toning solutions, and so on, form a very well-known region of the domain of science and this is too a branch of chemistry in which the practical inventor has been very busy the efforts therefore which have been made to invent ways of producing photographic pictures which shall give to the objects their natural colors will probably be of special interest in a book like this of these there are two very well known systems and to them we will mainly confine our attention. It should first be pointed out, however, that what we are discussing is quite different from the simple orthochromatic plates which are used by many photographers. These latter are coated somewhat differently from other plates, with a view to their giving a more realistic picture, but the result is still in one color. They are, in fact, a little more sensitive to differences in color than ordinary plates so that colors which appear when the latter are used very much the same appear when orthochromatic plates are employed a little different but the difference in color in the object photographed is only even then represented by a difference in shade in the picture the object is it may be in many colors in all the colors very likely but the picture is only in one and the step from that to a colored picture is a very long one true the solution of the problem is a very simple in principle yet the practical difficulties are so great that even now they have not been entirely overcome let us first of all examine the principle Sunlight, by which photographs are usually taken, appears to the eye white and colorless. It is not really so, however, as can be proved by analyzing it with the spectroscope. In this instrument, a flat beam of light, having passed through a narrow slit, falls upon a prism of glass, from which it emerges as a broad band known as the spectrum this band can be seen upon a screen or can be examined through a telescope so far from being white and colorless it consists of the most lovely colors at one end of the spectrum is a beautiful red which as the eye travels along imperceptibly merges into orange which in turns merges into yellow after which we find green blue indigo and violet in the order named these seven are known as the primary colors but it is quite a mistake to suppose that there are seven clearly defined and distinct colors the colors so change one into another that their number is really infinite the seven names indicate seven points in the spectrum whereat the colors are sufficiently distinct from others to warrant a separate name being given to them we call the starting color red for example and as we pass our eyes along we perceive a constant change and when that change has become sufficiently pronounced to justify our doing so we call the new color orange continuing we find the orange changing into something else and when it has gone far enough, we bring in a third name, yellow, and so on to the violet. Thus we see the division into seven colors is arbitrary, and only for our own convenience, since the whole number of colors is innumerable. Passing through a prism is not, however, the only means by which white light can be split up. When the sun shines upon a blue flower, for instance, the blue petals perform a partial separation. They reflect the blue part of the sunlight and absorb all the rest. A red flower likewise reflects the red part of the sunlight and absorbs the rest. It is because things can thus discriminate, reflecting some kinds of light and absorbing the remainder, that we perceive things in different colors it follows therefore that when we look upon a landscape or a field of flowers we receive into our eyes an enormous variety of colored lights the whitest sunlight furnishes each thing we see with a flood of of white light and each thing according to its nature reflects more or less a white flower reflects the whole a pure black object reflects none But the great majority of things reflect some part or another of that infinite variety of which white light really consists So a view at all varied sends to our eyes a variety of colors Almost as manifold as the colors of the spectrum Which as has been said are infinite and the task of reproducing them or even of producing a similar general effect upon a piece of paper seems at first sight beyond the bounds of possibility. But fortunately there is a way by which we can produce, approximately at all events, the intermediate colors by mixtures of the others. The second color of the spectrum, for example orange, can be obtained by mixing its neighbors on either hand, namely red and yellow. We can, indeed, imitate very closely the imperceptible change from red to yellow through orange, by skillful mixture of red and yellow pigments. First there is the pure red, then just a suggestion of yellow is added. More and more yellow brings us to orange, after which by gradually diminishing the amount of red we reach the pure yellow next by introducing blue pigment we can gradually change the yellow into green and further manipulation of the same two colors will lead us on to pure blue indeed by mixtures of red yellow and blue we can obtain almost all the perceptible varieties of color and it must be remembered that when by mixing blue and yellow pigments we get the effect of green that is only the result of an optical illusion. The particles of which the yellow pigment is made remain yellow, and the particles of the blue remain blue. The one sort reflect yellow light to our eyes, the other sort reflect blue light. And owing to what in one sense may be called a defect in our vision, these two mingling together look as if the whole were green. In the spectrum we see real green light. From green paint made by mixing yellow and blue, we only see an imitation of artificial green. If the particles were large enough, we should see the yellow and the blue ones quite separate. But since they are too small for us to see at all, except in the mass, our eyes blend the whole together into the intermediate color thus we see that although the variety of colors is infinite we can for practical purposes reproduce as much difference as our eyes can perceive by the judicious blending of three namely red yellow and blue and there is a further fortunate fact we can filter light the red glass with which the photographer covers his dark room lamp looks red and throws a red light into the room, because it is acting as a filter to the light processing from the lamp behind it. The lamp is sending out light of many colors, but the glass is only transparent to the red. It holds up all the others, but lets the red pass freely. So if we were to take a photograph through a red screen, we should get on the plate only those parts which were more or less red in color. For example, if we thus photographed a group of three flowers, one red, one orange, and one yellow, the red one would come out prominently, the orange one would come out faintly, and the yellow one not at all. Then suppose we took the same picture again through a yellow screen. In that case, the yellow flower would be prominent, The orange one again would be faint, but the red one would be absent. Having got, in imagination, two such negatives, let's make two carbon prints, one off each and let the print off the first negative be red, while that off the second is yellow. Let each be, in fact, of the same color as the screen through which the picture was taken finally let the two films be placed in contact one upon the other on holding the two up to the light what should we see we should see a red flower for there would be a red flower clearly defined upon one film coinciding with a blank transparent space upon the other film we should see too a yellow flower for a clearly defined yellow flower on the second film would coincide with a clear space upon the first we should see also an orange colored flower for there would be a faint red image of it and a faint yellow image of it one on each film lying one over the other producing the same effect as a mixture of yellow and red pigments thus by taking two negatives through two colored screens and then coloring the prints to correspond we can obtain three colors in the finished picture by taking a third negative through a blue screen we could add immensely to the range of colors obtainable indeed with three films red yellow and blue respectively made through three screens of the same colour a variety of colours practically infinite can be obtained so the principle is quite simple the difficulty is in carrying it out for the three kinds of light have not the same photographic power and so to avoid upsetting the balance of the colours different exposures would be required for each then there is the difficulty of so manipulating the films as to get them one over another exactly anyone who has tried the handling of carbon prints will readily realize how difficult this would be it is possible and has been done but the process is too uncertain and too laborious to be of general use but the same result can be obtained more or less automatically, as the following descriptions will show. Let us turn to the luminaire autochrome process, by which the results desired can be in a large measure attained by methods of manipulation comparatively simple. The plates used for this are of a very special nature. In the first place, there is the basis of glass. But upon that there is laid what we might term the selective screen this is a layer of starch grains of exceeding smallness the size of them is as little as half a thousandth of an inch and there are about four million of them on every square inch of plate next upon the screen of starch grains is a layer of waterproof varnish while over that is the ordinary sensitive emulsion, such as forms the essential part of the usual non color plate. Now, the starch grains which form the screen are, before they are laid on, stained in three colors. Some are blue, some red, and some a yellowish green, which experience shows is preferable to pure yellow. The differently colored grains are well mixed, and when the screen is held to the light and looked through the effect is almost that of clear glass. That is because red rays from the red grains, and green and blue rays from the grains of those colors, all proceed to the eye mingled together this plate is placed in the camera differently from the usual way since the glass side is turned towards the lens the light therefore after entering the camera passes through the glass then through the screen and finally falls upon the sensitive film suppose then that the camera were pointed to a red wall red light would fall upon the plate and passing through the red grains would act upon the sensitive film behind them. The blue and green grains, on the other hand, would stop those rays which fell upon them, and so those parts of the sensitive film which they cover would remain unaffected by light. Then, if that plate were to be developed, a dark, opaque spot would be produced upon the film under each red grain. The film under the other grains remaining transparent hence when held up to the light and looked through the plate would appear a greenish blue for all the red grains would be covered up in like manner, if the wall were blue instead of red a greenish red plate would result while if it were green the plate would be purple the result of the combination of red and blue but this, it will be seen, is a topsy-turvy effect, the exact opposite of what we want, so that it is fortunate that, by a simple chemical method, we can set it right. After our first development in the ordinary way, the plate is placed in another bath and exposed to strong daylight. With the result that those parts which were darkened by the first development become clear, and the parts that were clear become opaque. Thus, after this twofold development of the photograph of the red wall, we find ourselves in possession of a red plate, in which only the red grains are visible, since all the others are covered up by opaque parts of the sensitive film. The photograph of the blue wall will also, after it has been subjected to the double development, show blue only, and the same with the green. But suppose that instead of a red wall or a blue wall we focus our camera upon one which is half red and half blue, then it is easy to perceive that we shall get a plate which is half one color and half the other moreover it follows that a wall covered with a mosaic of red blue and green would give us a plate duly colored in the same way but when we go a step further and photograph say a landscape which may contain a vast range of colors we find a difficulty in believing that they can all be rendered by the simple process of covering or leaving uncovered grains either blue red or green it can be done however since the other colors may be made up of two or more of these three in varying proportions for example should there be something in the landscape of a darker more blue shade of green than the green grains then the light proceeding from that object while passing freely through the green grains upon which it falls will slightly penetrate the neighbouring blue ones as well and so at that point on the plate there will be not only green grains visible but some of the blue grains partly visible also the light from the blue grains will enter the eye along with that from the green grains and by so doing will add just that amount of blue to the green as to give it the right shade after this manner is the whole picture built up it is of course really a mosaic consisting entirely of little colored patches but since they are so small none can be seen individually all merging together in the eye so as to form a picture in which colors change perceptibly from one into another to sum up then what happens is this we start with a layer of colored grains the action of taking and developing the photograph covers up some of the grains and leaves others exposed and the action of the light is such that those which are left visible produce a picture closely resembling the original not only in form but in color but there is one other interesting point about this process which deserves mention the differently colored lights are not of the same power photographically red light as we know well is very weak in this respect wherefore we use it in the dark room a red light will have no perceptible effect upon a plate unless it be exposed to it for some time blue light on the other hand is very active and were the blue and red lights to be allowed to act equally on the autochrome plate the result would be much too blue it is therefore necessary to handicap the blue light as it were by placing a reddish yellowish screen either just in front of or just behind The lens to cut off a proportion of the blue rays. The other very successful process is known as the Dufay dioptichrome process. It differs very little from the luminaire except in detail, the selective screen being formed of small colored squares instead of by a mass of little grains. In both, it will be noticed the result is a single positive. It is not As in ordinary photography a negative off which any desired number of positive prints can be made and moreover it is a transparency it cannot be viewed except by light shining through it the results are however extremely beautiful when well done and anyone who cares to try either of these methods of working will Be well repaid for the trouble involved. End of section seventeen. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC.